Uh, over the last few weeks, we've talked about, obviously, the unchanging principles. It was week one, we discussed. Week two, we talked about the history of our church and God's faithfulness over the last 82 years. And uh, last week, we discussed our responsibility as it pertains to uh, um, just the health of the church, the overall health of the church, is, is making sure that we maintain the wall of self-control at our own home. Amen? And in the, in the things that we control, the things that we're responsible for uh, as we obviously are moving through this building project coming up this spring. And I promise you I'm not going to preach all year on building project stuff. Just wanted to take four weeks and do that here at the start of the year. So this is our last week. And today uh, I'm going to talk to you about something that you're going to really love and enjoy. I'm going to talk to you about money. Now, I said, said a few weeks ago uh, there's no topic that I'm afraid to preach from the pulpit. And I've hit on a lot of uncomfortable things and uh, a lot of things that made people nervous and, and quite possibly even unhappy with me at times over the last uh, almost four years. So uh, it's just kind of the way it is and, and that's how it is. Listen, anytime you're a pastor or you stand in front of people and speak very often, uh, you are always going to hit something in somebody's life that they're uncomfortable with. Amen? So you can't let that cause you to be afraid to talk about certain topics and issues. Uh, everybody's got gods in their lives. Everybody's got issues that they struggle with of idolatry in their lives, and you can usually figure out what that uh, idol is when you touch it and they get mad at you. Uh, most pastors are afraid to talk about money from the pulpit, uh, unless you're, I guess there's a few that that's about all they talk about from the pulpit, but some people are really uncomfortable talking about it. It seems like it's either over-exaggerated, over-talked about, or not talked about enough. And the reason they do that is because so many people here in America, uh, the idol is money. It's the God we serve. It's where we're comfortable. It's what we work toward. It's where we put most of our effort and our energy. And, and uh, we even had to put in God we trust on our money to rem remind people that our, our sufficiency and our uh, sustainability is not found in a dollar bill. It's in God we trust. And yet people still have given the dollar the term the almighty so there's still a lot of confusion. There's still a lot of uh, really idolatry when, it talk, when you talk about money and you encourage people to invest in something in the church or you talk about tithing or you talk about giving. Uh, instantly, the pastor is labeled um, uh, a money grubber, greedy. Uh, all he talks about is money, yada, yada, yada. Well, if this is your first week here, you can say that about me because this will be the only sermon you've ever heard me speak. However, if you've been here for the last four years and you say all I talk about money is, is you're a liar um, because I don't. Um, we are going to today, though, we're going to talk about money a little bit, and I'm not afraid to do it. I'm actually really excited. I'm really excited. How many of us know that revelation and God's Word should always bring excitement? It doesn't matter what the topic is. And that's, that's just kind of how I am today. Uh, I want us to be a church say, Pastor, why do you want to talk to us about money? Why? I, I will tell you why. Because I don't want our people, I don't want myself, I don't want my family, my wife, my kids, anybody to come into the church with a, a, an entitlement mentality. You say, what is an entitlement mentality? An entitlement mentality that says, I want everything, but I don't want to pay for it. The entitlement mentality says, Pastor, come feed me, and I want to, I want to uh, critique your sermon and, and check all your, you know, all your scripture references, make sure you're in context, but I'm not going to pay no tithe. I'm not going to support anything that you're doing financially because who are you to ask for my money? First of all, I'm not asking for your money. God spoke about this. God made clear about tithing and giving in, in the Word of God, and that's clear enough. I'm not going to go through all that today. But the, the fact of the matter is this that we are uh, looking at building a new building. 
uh, or adding on in addition to the building. It is going to cost us some money. It's going to require some work. It's going to require some effort. It's going to uh, require some financial commitment. It's just that's just the way it is. Um, But I don't want us to be like those people in our our culture today that have no problem going out and buying a new car that's way above anything they can afford because they never intended to pay for it anyway. Don't be like one of those individuals, you know, that says, I want to have friends, but doesn't first show themselves to be friendly in the Word of God first. You say, what do you mean by that? You know those people that say, I want friends. Every time something's going on in their life, they expect you to be there. But when there's something going on in their life, you're nowhere to be found. That's an entitlement mentality. It says, I deserve people to come and do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, with no sacrifice, no expectation from me whatsoever. Unfortunately, this is running rampant in our culture today. People want to have Christmas, but they don't want to buy presents. You know, buy me something, but I'm not going to get you anything. So this, this, this mentality is not something that has been in our church, and it's not something that I want to be bred into our church. And the only way you can keep that from happening is by addressing these issues and doing it clearly on occasion. So uh, this is, the other thing is, is we are, yes, this building is going to cost us money. I will tell you now before we do this, if we had to today without any kind of... Uh, income from anybody, if we just maintained our tithe and offering like we have been, uh, we would be able to afford this building and we would have to pay payments for a longer period of time. So it's not a matter of we can't afford it. So now we have to try to get money out of you. Uh, Rather, this is the closest we're going to get to a building campaign. Okay. This service today is the closest we're going to get to a building campaign. You say, Pastor, great. I just, wonderful. Just wonderful. Now you're going to start getting money out of us. Okay. I'll give you an option. Okay. We can do this today, and I'm going to talk to you about Scripture. I am going to use the Word of God, and we're going to talk about God's plan in, in, in light of what we're doing here at the church. Or, um, this is one service, or we could uh, pay somebody $30,000 to come into the church, uh, give me a series of eight to nine messages talking about money, talking about giving, gen- uh, being generous uh, in using Scripture, and I could give uh, eight to nine weeks of the pulpit to that. And then they would uh, come in here and group people together based upon giving capabilities, who could give this and who could give that and who couldn't give this. And then they will push you and try to get a huge commitment based upon what you are able to give to write down a piece of paper on a commitment. And our church would be segregated into groups based upon income level and giving potential. And then based on that and after that, then you would decide whether or not you want to actually give that money. And if you don't give it, then people are going to come around and start hounding you, asking you when you're going to give that money you promised and pledged to the church. Or today we can just preach about the Word of God and what the Bible says in these circumstances, let you go home and pray about it, and you and God decide what you're going to do. Which one would you like to do? Let's just have the service, okay? Let's just do that. You see, I've had pressure from day one when we sought out what our borrowing potential is as a church about this project. Obviously, one of the biggest questions is, can we afford it? And uh, when we went into that process and began to contact uh, ways to finance it and whatever, um, the biggest push I got from everybody is, are you doing a capital campaign? Are you doing a capital campaign? Are you doing a capital Pastor, you need to do a capital campaign. You need to do a capital campaign. And their pressing is, is to do exactly the opposite of what I'm doing today. And as a matter of fact, they would laugh in my face at what I'm doing today because this is not right. Uh, it's going to fall apart. It's going to hurt us. And we're not going to have the finances we need. So... Uh, first of all, if you borrow responsibly, you do have the finances you need. Amen? Amen. Secondly, uh, I'm going to obey God and not man. Amen. 
Why? Because I don't like giving my pulpit over to somebody I don't know to come in here and mess with people. Here's what they tell you on the phone. Pastor, do you realize how much money we can get out of your people? You want me to pay $30,000 for you to come in here and get money out of my people. You know what that is? That's called manipulation. That's called strong-arming people. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm judging these people before I hired them, but I wasn't going to take the risk. Here's the thing. Let me, let me just share something with you really quick. For a pastor or a board or leadership to manipulate their congregation to invest in some kind of a dream or a vision that they have, and they have to manipulate the congregation to do it, is no different. It's the same sin as an individual in a church that's got big money and puts a lot of money in the plate every week that tries to control the pastor or the leadership. It's the exact same sin, and I'm not doing it. So we're going to have one service. One service. And we're going to look in the Word of God about what I've come to about giving and building the kingdom of God and what it is that God's going to do. Folks, I'm not going to bring anybody in here that's going to try to get something from somebody. It's not about using the people or the congregation to fulfill a dream of mine or the board's. That's not what it's about. If, if you love God, if you believe in what's happening here, if you like to walk through a foyer without bumping into 20 people, if you have children and grandchildren that you would like to be in a safe area while they're being uh, taught and trained the gospel, if you would like to be able to go potty, bless God, without rubbing up against 16 people to get in and out of the door, and if you're a man and you want to go stand at the urinal, you don't have to worry about the door coming in and everybody watching you go to the bathroom. Amen? If you believe in those things, maybe you might want every man in the place is going, yeah, pastor, you hadn't mentioned that one up front yet, but that is uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, how y'all doing? Could you shut the door, please? <laughs> if you believe in that, I would like to think somebody would say, yeah, I could invest in that a little bit. Let's get her done. The problem is that too many people have these dreams and visions. A pastor will have a dream and vision of trying to, trying to build himself up in an organization and say, well, I've built this, I've done this, I've done this, so they can put it on their next resume. You don't have that here with this one. I, I, like I said, I'll say it again. If I leave this church someday, I may not even be in the ministry. I may be back in the welding field. I don't know where God's going to call me or what He's going to do. One thing I don't have is I don't have some kind of agenda to try to work my way up in the assemblies of God. I just don't. I know you can look and say, yeah, right, Pastor, yeah, right. Everybody's got it. I seriously don't. I just want to obey the Lord. Just want to obey the Lord. So this, this project is not about me. It's not about the board. It's about us and about what God's doing here. So I wanted to make sure that we understand and I, and I, you know, what God's going to do here. And I'm not going to hound you service after service. We'll have a few reminders for the things that we're going to do throughout the year. But it's not going to be services. So, so how is this asking today? This call today uh, from your pastor to the congregation, this call about giving, how is it scriptural? Turn to Exodus chapter 3 with me. We're going to work our way through Exodus this morning and just kind of see some things. Exodus chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. This starts out in the wilderness. Uh, Moses, we all know the story of Moses and what took place, and, and uh, he, he ran away uh, from, from Egypt, you know, he's going to be pursued and killed, obviously, by the Pharaoh. And he left and, and uh, went on the backside of the desert, got married, and started looking at sheep. 
Isn't that the mentality of men when things get bad? Sometimes it's easy just to retreat to the backside of the desert and hide somewhere. He did, but the Lord found him and he spoke to him. And he made some promises to Moses and called him and he said, I want you to go and I want you to set my people free. I want you to be my mouthpiece, Moses. I want you to go and do my work to set my people free. Look what he says here in verses 21 and 22 connected to this. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Now stop right there for a second. You're saying, Pastor Bob, is this what you're going to do? You're going to plunder us. <laughs> no. I'm not talking about plundering you. We are, on the, we are on the Israelite side, okay? We're not on the Egyptian side. We're the ones that are going to be blessed. These are the ones that, that God, I just want to, I guess, establish this. God does everything for a purpose, okay? He has a plan. And when in the beginning he says to Moses, these people are going to bless you with gold and silver and all these precious things, then it's probably going to happen. Amen? And if he's going to allow it to happen, then he's got a plan and a purpose for it. Let's read on. That's God's plan. It's his purpose. And he was faithful to remind Moses of it. Exodus chapter 11. Flip over there. He reminded Moses of it. And Moses was faithful to, in turn, tell the people of it. So Exodus 11, this is just before the final plague. This is just before the firstborn of all of Egypt died. Exodus 11, verses 2 and 3. God reminds Moses, tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So we see that, and if you go down and flip over to Exodus 12, we see now, following the plague, that the people obeyed Moses and God's instruction and did exactly what they said. Verses 35 and 36 of Exodus 12. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for so they plundered the Egyptians. So, first thing I want to point out is that the, this provision from God is very important. Why is it so important? God spoke about it to Moses to begin with. He reminded Moses of it. Moses told the people about it, and the people obeyed it, and look what happened. It was fulfilled. Amen? So it was provided. Now, let's think about this provision. God gave these slaves who had been in, who had been in bondage for 400 years. He said, I'm going to set you free, and I'm not only going to set you free, I'm going to load you up. I'm going to hook you up before you leave Egypt. Go and knock on doors and say, hey, give me the gold. I want to know where the gold at, right? That's what he says. Give me the gold. So they give him the gold. They give him the silver and they, all this stuff. And they turn and they leave Egypt loaded down with gold and silver. And everybody said, Amen. except there's only one problem. Why? Because when you cross the Red Sea, there's not a 7-Eleven on every corner, if you know what I'm talking about. They got into the wilderness, and what was the first thing they ran into? They had bitter water. Gold didn't fix it. Silver didn't fix it. Then they got hungry. Gold didn't fix it. Silver didn't fix it. Who did? God did. Then they got thirsty again, and gold didn't fix it. It didn't come out of that 
piece of gold that came out of a rock on the earth. Water. What's my point? Why would God give this type of provision when it was absolutely worthless crossing the Red Sea? You see, okay, we will take all of this gold and they get all excited and they load their kids up with it. They put clothing on them and they say, cross the Red Sea and you get into the wilderness with all these beautiful things that are absolutely worthless to them at that time. But why is it so important? If God gave them the message in the very beginning, I have a plan to bless you with these things and then I have a plan to give you this and then he tells Moses and Moses reminds the people and the people understand and then the people take it and they go into the wilderness and all they're doing is dragging around all this gold and all of this stuff through the wilderness. What's going on? God had a plan. Let's look and see what God's plan was in Exodus chapter 25. In verse 1 of Exodus 25, the Lord said. Don't you like it when the Lord said something? The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. Everybody say heart prompts. Whoever's heart prompts. Not the pastor, not the preacher, Not somebody being paid $30,000 to come in and prompt and strong-arm people to give. It's whose heart prompts from the provision that God had given them. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So before God even said, I'm going to tell you exactly how to build everything in this tabernacle, a place of worship, a place where you can come and be in relationship and fellowship with me, before I tell you how to do it, please understand that the provision is coming from the people whom I provided to to begin with. Larry Stockstill, a minister, I'm trying to think he's in Alabama, I'm not sure, but he's a great man of God, was at our minister's conference this last year, and, and uh, something intrigued me. He said in front of everybody, and I've heard people say this as jokes, as jokes but he said his father actually said it uh, in a service to his church when they were starting another building program. He'd been through several and uh, had built his church up really large, and the people were just, just blessing and ministering to people. He said, look, folks, he said, I have great news for you today. All of the church finances for the building project project have been met. Hallelujah! And people were excited and praising God. He said, the problem is it's still in our pockets. (laughs) And here's here's the thing. You say, Pastor, see, there you go. There you go, begging and asking for money. No. Uh, What I just read to you in the Word of God is that God made a provision ahead of time, and people took the provision, took it into the wilderness, and prepared and planned Because, well, didn't plan, but God had planned what they were going to use it for. The question was, is would their hearts be prompted to give or not by the Holy Spirit? Oh, this is so, 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 so good. (laughs) This is great. If we believe in the purpose of what God is doing, if He is our God, then we don't have any trouble investing into His vision. And when we read the regulation of what God said that must be in the temple, folks, it was pretty extravagant. 
When you start reading between chapters 25 and 31 of Exodus and you start reading what was supposed to be in the, the, the tabernacle, then you start looking at a lot of gold, a lot of acacia wood overlaid with gold and, and gold uh, put into thread and, and wound through into the curtains and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to hear what was all in there. And actually today, there were other experts that had worked and figured up what it might be. Uh, the cost of what is in there would, would equal to about $45 million worth of just gold and silver and copper in there today. That doesn't include the gems, doesn't include anything else. That's a lot of gold and silver and copper. But the fact of the matter is, is that regardless of the exact numbers, God was not putting this in there for an egotistical leadership to say, look how much gold we have. He put it in there to teach them and to show them that they were not to have other gods before him. Exodus 20, verse 23, Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. He told them that early on in the wilderness experience. We are not here to worship gods of silver or gods of gold. You see, these, these, this gold and silver and all this stuff was something that these people had never had an abundance of before. They were slaves. And now all of a sudden they were blessed with this, this amount of stuff and it would be real easy for them to misappropriate their worship toward it. And what God wanted them to see is, is you're not to worship the gold like the Egyptians did. The Egyptians, their gold, their wealth, it was their power, it was their sustenance, it was everything to them. But for these individuals it wasn't supposed to be that way. And yet they go just a little bit further in time and what happened? Where is this man Moses? We don't even know where he is. Well, he went up to the mountain to talk to God. He could be dead for all we know. Make us a God. And so Aaron said, go ahead and bring everything in. He had an offering. Bring in the stuff. And they brought it in and he made a what? Golden calf. And they began to worship it. And Aaron said, this is the God that delivered you out of Egypt. And Moses on the mountaintop comes down and Joshua's like, there's war in the camp. And Moses said, oh, no, no, it's not war. You're here in a party. And he went down and he, he, he stopped them and he threw the golden calf into the fire and it melted it down and he took that, that gold and he crushed it up into powder and he forced them to drink it. What's the message? The message is this. God brings provision. He gives us provision and he says, I have a purpose and a plan for this. You may not understand what the purpose and plan is yet, but I have a plan for it. And I've provided for my plan through you. And there's an enemy that comes along and says, why not? Why not go ahead and make a God of gold, make a calf that you can worship instead? Why not go ahead and do this? And what the enemy did is he took their minds and their attitudes and he twisted their uh, thoughts about it. And, and what he did is he stole what God had intended to be used for his temple. It was wasted. It was thrown away on selfish desires and things that they wanted instead of used for the temple and used for God. Right now, everybody's saying, oh, great, here we go. I see where this is going. I see Pastor Bob is going to rake us over the coals for having some luxuries and some nice things. No. But I will pose a question to you. 
Is our giving limited based upon what we have sold ourselves into? It's easy because sometimes people will bury themselves in debt for things. And they're really idols in our lives. We just got to have more all the time and say, I really would love to give to the church, Pastor Bob, but I can't because you see, my idol has consumed my gold already. You see, there's an enemy that understands God has a plan. And he says, if God give them all of this gold, they're not going to use this in the desert. That's, he must have another plan for it. We've got to take this and do something with it. And he did. Let's look on forward. Moses did as the Lord had commanded after he'd gotten all the regulations for the tabernacle in Exodus 35. He goes before the whole community. In verses, beginning in verse 4, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. Today I'm standing in front of you doing what the Lord has commanded. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. I didn't get any of this stuff that I'm talking to you about today out of a book. I didn't get pay money for somebody to teach me how to do this or to talk to you about it. I wrestled with this for months. Months. I'm going to have to stand in front of people and talk about a project and talk about investing in it. And I'm not paying somebody to come in here and, and, and divide and split and cause issues. I had to seek the Lord. I had to find out what God wanted to say. You see what I mean? This, this is what the Lord has brought me to. And if, if, if people with a lot more education and money than what I have want to make fun of me about it, God bless you, make fun of me about it. I'm going to believe God. The Lord said to them, Lord, this is what the Lord commanded. Verse 5. For what you have, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram, ram skins, dyed red, hides of sea cows, acacia wood. Olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Skip down to verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. They left. He asked them, he said, I want you to consider to give, and then he let them leave. You mean he didn't put them in a little room and say, you're not leaving until you write down an amount? No. He just said, here's the need. And he let them leave. They withdrew from his presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved, whose heart moved him, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ointments. uh, I'm sorry, ornaments, not ointments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ramskins dyed red, or hides of sea cows brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought uh, what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn for fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had, had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breast pieces. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work of the Lord through Moses, through Moses had commanded them to do. So... Let's stop here for a minute. Let's just look at some of the things uh, that we, we notice in this. First of all, there was no manipulation. None. He stood in front of the people, said, here are the needs. 
Go home. Seek the Lord. And whatever He lays in your heart to do, you do that. Obey Him. Obey Him. He didn't group them up. He didn't do all the things that I'm talking about. He didn't survey them to see who had received the most gold or the most silver from the Egyptians. He just said, you know what you have. It's from what you have. The Lord is willing to allow you to do this. He's invited you to do it. You go seek the Lord and find out what it is He would have you to do. He simply gave a call out that God had commanded him to do, making clear what the Lord had said, and then gave the people time to respond. Again, I've had pressure. Again, even an individual telling one of our board members, your pastor needs to be doing this. You really need to be doing this. You really need to be doing this. I don't really care what they think we need to be doing. The Lord has said. So we're going to do what the Lord has said. If I'm wrong, then the Lord's going to allow me to be wrong. But I seriously doubt if I'm going to listen to the Lord that I'm going to be wrong. I seriously doubt. The request was not unreasonable. It was taken from what they had. Moses wasn't putting a huge burden on people and saying, I want this much more than what you have. I want you to take out loans. I want you to do that. That's not what Moses was asking. He said, from what you have, seek the Lord, ask and see what He would have you to do, and then do what He lays on your heart. If you're moved to do it, folks, listen, it was those that were willing. How many of us know there were some that weren't? Right? And there were some that were willing and probably could do more. And there were some that wished they could do more that couldn't. How many of us know that? That's just the way our culture is, the way the society is. Some were willing, and there were some that were not. But he did not put a huge yoke on them. He wasn't asking for their lives. People get frustrated with a church or a minister because of the weight of the expectations, the pressure to give beyond what they can give. Moses, however, said, just give out of what you have. Again, sometimes the reason we don't have stuff the reason we don't have cash or we don't have what we can give is because we got, have invested it in our stuff. And we need to, we'll talk about that in a little bit about some options. But there was no pressure from Moses, Aaron, Joshua, or anyone else. Moses said, for those who are willing. And God is so good to give us free will and then to test our free will to see if we will bring our will under His will. And it's for those who are willing. There was not so much of an expectation on everyone other than, hey, this is what we all want. If you're willing to give, find out what it is and give it. You say, why is this so important to me? I'll tell you why it's important to me. As a youth pastor, I love youth convention, but when you go to youth convention, they talk about speed the light, and there's one service designated for speed the light, and they get the kids all excited about speed the light, and they say, hey, we need you to... We need you to make a pledge for what you're going to give to Speed the Light this year. And early on in youth ministry, I made the mistake of letting them make that decision right there at that moment. Over time, we did it the week or two before convention. Say, hey, let's talk about this, pray about it, so we're prepared that day. Why? Because if not, you go to that service and you have kids all pumped up like, I can do all this for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Unemployed youth group of six kids. Hey, we're giving $25,000 this year to Speed the Light. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to go home and you're going to eat some Cheetos and you're going to fall asleep. And when you wake up tomorrow, <laughs> what, doesn't everybody eat Cheetos and fall asleep? That's just me. When you wake up tomorrow, you're going to forget all about your pledge. Because it was an emotional thing. It wasn't a God thing. And God wants us to go away and seek Him. Capital campaigns work a lot in the same way. They strong arm and try to get people to get excited and give pledges, and then the pledges aren't given to anyway. 
In this case, though, with Moses, uh, people were given a very clear request and then able to leave and to go deal with it. It's the heart of God, folks. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the very same concept that Paul is giving to the Corinthian church. Verse 5, he says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. It came from their hearts. They said, we want to give this. And, and, and so Paul said, we're going to make it easy for you to give. We're going to set it up for you to take care and to follow through with it. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work it's very simple folks these individuals were moved to give it wasn't manipulated they wanted to give paul made an easy avenue for them to give and they were able to give without reluctance or frustration listen as we give as we have opportunity to talk about it here in just a minute listen don't have an attitude of reluctance seek the lord whatever he says to give give if he says give a dollar a week and that's all you can do don't give it reluctantly and feeling bad and say it's not enough because listen even the widow who brought in the little widow's might Jesus said she has given more than everybody else in this place. Listen, when it comes to giving to God, if He lays on your heart something and you say it's not enough, don't be reluctant. Give. Be faithful with what He speaks. If, it's, if you're afraid, He's like, well, I don't want to seem too extravagant. I don't want people to talk about this or whatever. Don't be reluctant. Give it. I'm going to tell you what. When somebody gives here at the church, I don't know about it most of the time. When I say most of the time, I mean most of the time because usually sometimes people will hand me stuff. Okay? But most of the time I don't know about it. I don't go seek out who's given and who's not given. That's not something that's unethical. Okay? I don't do it. It's not going to be talked about throughout the church. It's not going to be one of those things where people are going to be going, wow, we're going, to, we're going to honor our big givers this last year. Listen, if God has said give extravagantly and you want to give extravagantly, you can be, tr- you can be trusted here that it's not going to be talked about. It'll be received with grateful hearts, knowing that God's doing a work in all of us. Folks, listen, whatever it may be, we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to obey Him. So what was the result of this call from Moses? Exodus 36, verses 3 through 7 says, They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of the construction of the sanctuary, and the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So there was two different things. They brought in their... Uh, the their initial offerings that they had brought in, and then they continued to bring in free will offerings morning after morning, continual things. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work in the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Wow, talk about integrity. We just don't see that much anymore, do we? Whoa, 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 whoa. We got enough, folks. Just stop. You think pastors would do that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I will give you my word. We do have a debt that we're going to have to incur, but I'll tell you this. This giving for our building program is not going into my pocket. It's not going into to boost my salary or anything else. Listen, I don't care about salary. I have rejected raises over the last three years and I will reject one at this week's board meeting again. 
I don't care about salaries. It's not about increases. Our staff hasn't had a raise for two years. We'll probably get a slight increase there. But it's not going to be, uh, oh, we're just going to give Pastor Bob more money. That's not what it's about. It's about the building. That's it. And if, bless God, we meet the need, we'll say, that's good, thank you very much. Does that make sense? That's our plan. We're going to obey the Word of God. We're not going to follow out. And what happened here was, is that there was more than enough. God's provision brought more than enough. And some of us, that blows our little minds. You're saying, you're talking about building something. That's a lot of money. That's more than enough. I'm not saying that it's all going to come through in offerings immediately, but I am going to say that the, the long-term provision is there because God has promised it would be. It's just in our pockets. So let me finish things up today. Close out with this. Since we're not going to pressure you, we're not going to manipulate you, we're not going to uh, just stand here today and strong-arm things, we're not going to be uh, demanding of money and greedy and everything we do. This is the one service that you're getting about money as far as the building project goes. We have a two-plan option. We have two things that we're going to talk about doing for people in our church to invest in the building program. Here's our situation. June 23rd, 2013, we stood here in this room. We projected and presented to you uh, what we had been working on for a three-year period to what was going to be needed for the protection of our kids, bathrooms, um, a couple of extra classrooms, so on and so forth. We have been very... Uh, we've tried to be very responsible with the resources God has given us. When we looked at our property, we're landlocked. The only way we could build was straight to the north. And rather than just doing a nursery and bathrooms, which we could have done about half the distance of, we would have a whole bunch of land out here that we hadn't done anything with. So it, the, it just made sense to go ahead and extend it out, put a couple of uh, early childhood development classes for protection, that type of thing. We explained to the congregation uh, that we were going to open up our foyer and so on and so forth, and that we are going to be in a budget between five hundred dollars to $700,000. Uh, we approved that. I've made clear that we were able to, if not another dime came in toward the building fund, we could cash flow the payments for that for a 15-year loan for that amount, for the amount that we're going to need. Uh, everybody approved. We move forward. We are still working with our general contractor. We're still working with our architect at this time. Uh, we are within budget. We're just kind of at the high end of the budget, still moving some things around and redoing a couple things. By the time we're done, we will be in the middle or below that budget. Uh, that's our goal. That's our desire. So if we do this and do it that way, we're looking at possibly even about a $600,000 debt, potentially. That's if we don't take anything that we have currently in our building fund, that kind of thing. So just by estimating that, that's where we're at. Financially, if nobody gave another dime, we could still handle it. Okay? But let me be clear about something. We bring this before the people, and, and I know that there's a lot of people in this room that are like me that hate debt. I hate it, despise it. I'm debt-free, have been for a lot of years. I just can't stand debt. Uh, what this would do is we got a two, plan, uh, two, two different things we're going to do. The first thing we're going to do is we're not going to ask you to do anything today, but in March, we're going to designate March as marching forward. Okay, It's a marching forward month, and on those Sundays, we're going to have uh, what we'll call extravagant offering times. It doesn't mean people are going to go, Woo, look what I'm giving to the Jesus. That's not what it's going to be. It's just going to be a focus time period that says, hey, we're going to bring in a gift. Now, uh, some of you might say, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot laying around money-wise. You may have some things laying around that you can sell. That brings us to the bulletin thing on the inside. It's just a simple thing I got off the internet, A to Z things uh, of, of helping churches with building campaigns. Uh, I took the organ out of the O's because I didn't want anybody to go sell a kidney or something. <laughs> I took a few things off of there. But all that is is just a reminder to help you say, hey, you know what? Yes, we do have... 
Uh, like for our house, we have a, a little four-wheeler that needs to be sold and gotten rid of so that we can, I mean, we'll put that in, that kind of stuff. Um, we have things laying around that we can get rid of and, and put it into, into God's house. Let me, I will focus on one, and I did this at the annual business meeting the other day, and that is our tax return checks. Now, some of you have already got plans for them. That's fine if that's what you're doing, but I'm just giving you an example. Uh, tax return time is a time where we get you know, around the years, like, hey, all of a sudden we get $1,200 back or whatever, or fifteen or 2000 Some people are saying, wow, I got 3000 this year, whatever. If we, let's just say 100 people in our church, we get $1,000 back and we say, let's take $1,000 out of that. Do you realize that takes $100,000 off of what we need to borrow? That's all this is about, okay? That's all this is about is saying, hey, let's give into this. And, and help knock this down so that we don't carry debt a long time and have to pay that much more interest. And, and folks, if you don't have something to give and until June or July, we're not going to stop you. Okay? March is just a focus month. We're just going to focus on it, and all we're going to do is remind you from the pulpit, hey, we're marching forward this month. Remember your extravagant offering gift for the church building program. The second thing we do, we saw this in the scripture that they brought offerings, and then it says that they brought in their morning and evening offerings as well, continued offerings. A continued long-term offering, uh, a simple way just to kind of help people understand what we can give is a $10, a 1052 program. You say, what's 1052? That means $10 a week for a year. That's, whoa, pastor, that's too much. $10 a week, that's, that's one sandwich. That's a foot long at Subway. You, you realize that, don't you? Sacrifice a Subway sandwich. Fast and pray and seek the Lord and put in 10 bucks each week. Here's why. Why is it a big deal? If we can get 100 people out of our congregation to do this, 100. Now, on any given Sunday, we'll have 180 people come through our doors here. If we can just get 100 of them to say, I'll give $10 a week, what that'll do, that's $520 a year. That's 52 weeks, $520 a year per couple. That's $1,040 a year. And if we can do that, that's going to be $52,000 a year if we have 100 people say, I'll give $10 a week, here's my 10. You say, what's the big deal? The big deal is, is that $52,000 is about right where the payment is for a 15-year loan of the amount we're talking about. So that payment coming in, plus us cash flowing every other thing that we have that we're able to into that situation, it's very possible that in a year's time we could pay over $100,000 on that loan. Now, we just talked about something. If we could do $1,000 for 100 people, that's 100000 in March. And if we talked about that, that $10, that 1052 program throughout the next year, we're talking about possibly $200,000 off of a $600,000 loan. Anybody with intelligence say if we extend that to three years, what that's going to do to us, not including any kind of growth or people coming to the church or anything of that nature that's going to continue to build finances. Folks, it's the plan of myself and the board to make sure that we get out of debt. That's why I'm coming and asking you about this today. Now, let me say this. You say, Pastor, I can't do $10 a week. Do what you can. Seek the Lord. I don't care. It's not, nobody's set to $10 a week says this is what I have to do. There are some people that can do more than $10 a week. It's not for me to decide for you. Seek the Lord and see what He says. For myself, my wife said, Pastor, she said, Bob, why did you say that in the annual business meeting? I'm going to say it again. Our family right now and has been for months doing $30 a week. We have been. Why? Why would I say that? To, to toot my horn? No. To let you know that your pastor is investing. Amen? A lot of people say, well, I don't have my pastor. He just wants money to listen to me, man. We are pouring into this because we believe what God's doing. 
And all we're doing is inviting you to join us. That's it. Now, there's not anything to sign up on. There's not anything for you to have to do or for anybody to see. You're going to leave this place. You're going to seek God. You're going to find out what God would have you to do. And you're going to do it. Now, we have the option that we give in the tithe each week. You mark building fund, however much you want to do. If, if, if that's uncomfortable, you say, wow, I'll forget if I keep doing this every week. You can always go online and you can do an automatic transfer out of your bank account to the church, whatever. If you're uncomfortable with that, you don't have to do it. I know some people are. We just have options for you and you can set it to recur and it'll just keep doing it and it'll be taken care of. And this is the only time I'm talking about money with it all in a service. Not too hard, is it? Do you feel overwhelmed like Pastor Bob's asking too much? It's not. So we just want to encourage you that this spring, uh, I'm not sure once we get things buttoned down completely with our uh, contractor and our architect and some things finalized, we'll maybe get a, a date scheduled for when we're going to break ground. But folks, we're hoping to do it this spring, hopefully early spring and not late spring, but that's where we're at. And uh, you can begin giving even now and all of it's going to go. Trust me, it'll all be spent at this point. So uh, if you want to invest in that, we'll make sure it's used wisely and uh, with some integrity. So, I'm going to pray in just a minute, but just because this was a unique service and I brought some instruction like that, I will ask if there's any questions, and you are free. You don't have to be a member to ask questions. In this service, you can do whatever you want, and uh, you can ask away if you have any questions in light of what I've just talked about. Isn't this a really high-pressure capital campaign? (laughs) Isn't this awful? Dear God. Nobody's asking whether or not I think Peyton Manning is going to win the Super Bowl. Yes, I do. Uh, beyond that, anything that has to do with the capital campaign. Okay, all minds are clear then. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. And, and what I've asked is I've given you from now to March to seek the Lord and find out what He wants you to do. That's all we have to do. Pretty tough, pretty high pressure. Father, we thank You for this day.